This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Puto Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, and I'm joined by City Hall reporter Joshua Fector, investigative reporter Brian Chasnoff. And uh, we're really pleased today to, to be joined by a special guest, former El Paso congressman, uh, 2018 U.S. Senate candidate, 2020 presidential candidate, and the founder of Powered by People, a voter engagement group, which is doing a lot of work uh, right now on the issue of, of voting rights. Um, Beth O'Rourke, thank you so much for being uh, joining our podcast. Hey, I'm, I'm happy to be with you all, and thanks for having me on. I wanted to start by talking about what's what's going on this week. There's going to be a uh, a 27 mile Selma style march uh, beginning in Georgetown on uh, Wednesday morning, and it will end uh, at the uh, the state capitol in Austin. Could you talk a little bit about the the impetus behind this march? We're focused. Uh, I mean, so many of us, uh, millions of people across the state and, and country on beating back this attack on democracy. It's, it's something the, the president referred to a couple of weeks ago in Philadelphia. He said, we are witness to the single greatest attack on American democracy since the Civil War. And he connected the dots between the, the big lie trafficked by the former president that somehow there was widespread fraud in the 2020 presidential election and that that was stolen from him and his supporters. It's revealed in the January 6th insurrection attempt where five people, including a Capitol police officer, were killed by those who who literally by force were going to try to overturn the presidential election and stop the, the count of the Electoral College votes. And certainly it is revealed in 47 different state legislatures, all considering or in some cases having passed bills that would severely restrict the right to vote. And so many of us see Texas as the front lines in this fight, because uh, as you all know, I think Texas sent more uh, insurgents and would-be seditionists to that Capitol riot than, uh, or, or insurrection attempt than any other mm-hmm. state. Mm-hmm. Texas is already the toughest state in which to vote. And Texas is, is trying through its Republican majority and Republican governor right now to pass further voter suppression. And so the Poor People's Campaign of Texas, uh, Bishop William Barber, who leads the Poor People's Campaign nationally, mm-hmm. and a constellation of grassroots advocacy organizations that are fighting for democracy are, are leading this march that's going to go from Georgetown, Texas, starting on Wednesday, and will end up in Austin on Saturday, this coming Saturday, the 31st of July. We're at 10 a.m. You know, thousands of us will rally for the right to vote in front of the state capitol. So, so this is an action in conjunction with untold number of other actions, including the action being led by 
Democratic Texas legislators in D.C. Mm -hmm. that we hope can compel both the president and Senate Democrats to pass voting rights legislation known as the For the People Act. That's that's kind of the gist of what's going on right now. Now, um, as, as you point out, the Texas uh, House Democrats are, are in D.C. or most of them are in D.C. Um, uh, blocking uh, restrictive uh, election legislation in Texas and trying to to uh, appeal to members of Congress to pass federal legislation. And sir, as you mentioned, President Biden is, is supportive of, of that effort. But he, he did say in a town hall last week or he indicated that he was, uh, you know, reluctant to um, to abandon the filibuster, which, you know, many people see as the, maybe the the only way that uh, legislation like uh, like this could pass the Senate. There was also a story in the New York Times last week that that said that in private conversations between administration officials and civil rights groups, there was a, kind of a sentiment among some people in the administration that it would it'd be possible to out organize voter suppression. Um, and I just kind of wanted to get your take on on that. And, and granted, that's not something that the president has said publicly. But what what are your thoughts on that? I'll tell you, the optis, optimist in me uh, heard that exchange between the president and Don Lemon at that town hall. And while you're right, the, the president said that he was not in favor of completely abandoning the filibuster. He said that it would throw the Congress into chaos it was, mm -hmm. or something like that. He did say that if, if you're, if you're going to do something with the filibuster, reform it or amend it or forget the, the verb that he right. used. But I, th I think that those of us who are pushing for voting rights legislation right now are only asking for that. Uh, and as, as you all know, there are at least four exceptions to the filibuster that that I can think of. There's an exception made for uh, approval of fast track trade deals. There's one for budget reconciliation. There's one mm -hmm. for Supreme Court justices. There's another for federal judges. Why not make a fifth for voting rights legislation mm -hmm. and allow that to pass on a simple majority vote? So I, I read, you know, you, you read what you want to read, right? But I, I read sure. that, that the president and and I hope by extension, Senators Manchin and Cinema are, are perhaps open to such an adjustment of the filibuster rule going forward. But you're, you're absolutely right. You will not have voting rights legislation if there is not some change made to the filibuster rule. It, it's the only way that it's going to happen. And as, as we also know, the filibuster itself is uh, considered a, a vestige of mm -hmm. segregationist right. and white supremacy uh, control in the U.S. Senate going back to the the end of Reconstruction, and so um, it, it's pretty important that we we understand the role the filibuster has played traditionally, and just what we're up against right now. Beto, I'm I'm wondering if if you think there's anything else that can be done in Congress right now to correct the the, the lie that the election was stolen from Trump. Are, are there any other actions that Congress can take to? correct that? I'm really interested to see what comes of this January 6th commission. And I'm not sure how broad their their scope is and how large their mandate. But if if they're looking at the underlying causes of that insurrection attempt, I'm, I'm assuming they're going to have to look at how so many you know, tens of millions of our fellow Americans came to believe that Donald Trump was the um, rightful winner of the 2020 presidential election, even though he was demolished in the popular vote um, mm -hmm. and and lost uh, a number of key 
swing states, uh, you know, including Georgia and Arizona. And it's it's in those states, of course, that the president and many of his key henchmen or supporters pointed to alleged uh, voter fraud. And, and it's no accident that he that they talked about cities like Atlanta and Philadelphia and Detroit and Phoenix. And the first three are significant black voter populations. And the last one is a significant Mexican-American voting population. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, when you connect the dots between the allegation, which is itself fraudulent, that there was widespread fraud um, connected to or concentrated in majority minority communities. And then you see these uh, bills to restrict voting in those same communities. I mean, Harris County in Texas, for example, the most diverse county in the United States of America is front and center in this elections debate in Texas. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because you have so many black and brown and minority voters in those communities. So perhaps, you know, to answer your question, that commission's work will include what you hope to be unimpeachable evidence of the, you know, um, the veracity of, of the vote in, in 2020. But my feeling is, and this now is a cynic in me that it it doesn't matter, you know, how much proof is, is out there. You, you could be standing in the middle of the, uh, of a rainstorm. And if you're a Mm -hmm. diehard Trump supporter and Trump says it's the sun is shining outside, you're probably (laughs) going to say the sun is shining outside. So I, I don't know what, what we're going to be able to do there to, to reconcile such deeply divided parts of the country. One half of which is is under the the sway and enthrall to someone who has no regard for the truth whatsoever. And, and when it comes to the Texas governor, uh, Greg Abbott, how complicit do you think he is in perpetuating this uh, fraudulent reality? Texas, unfortunately, the the Republican statewide leadership and the majority in in the House and the Senate are are neck deep in in this fraud. Uh, Briscoe Kane, who's a State representative from from Deer mm-hmm. Park, Republican, former chairman of the Elections Committee, uh, in fact, got on a plane after the 2020 election and headed to Pennsylvania right. uh, in an effort to try to help overturn the electoral college vote count in in that state. And I want to be clear; I, he tried to do it through legal means, and uh, I think you know came to to help in in the court case, uh, and yet he sowed the, the lies and disinformation. That, that there was fraud and that that was an illegitimate uh, election. Ken Paxton, of course, our twice indicted attorney general, uh, was literally at the rally with Trump, encouraging those marchers and protesters and, right. and later insurgents and seditionists to, to, to march on the, the Capitol. And, and Governor Abbott has continued to describe uh, a, a problem that he's never able to define. In other words, uh, that we, we we somehow have widespread voter fraud. And when asked by reporters um, to, to to name the fraud and, and to describe specific instances, he's always at a loss. And, and what we end up seeing now more and more frequently, and I've, I've heard this from the governor, I've heard it from uh, Chairman Kane and others, is, well, you know, maybe there isn't, uh, you know, a lot of identifiable fraud, you know, going on right now. However, uh, our, our constituents are deeply concerned about voter fraud. And in order to reestablish faith in, in our elections, we need to impose these new 
voting restrictions. And it's, it's akin to the arsonist wanting to have credit for showing up with the fire truck and trying to put it out at the, at the end of the day. They, they've created that, that doubt and uncertainty in the minds of, of their constituents. So they're, they're very complicit in this. And, and the problem is, even if you're a Republican, is that, that once you, you really begin to shake the, the foundation of trust in free and fair elections in Texas or, or any part of the country, for that matter, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, the result at the end of the day in the next election will will begin to uh, come into question. And, and it really makes it harder for us to proceed as what we've told ourselves and the planet that we're the world's greatest democracy. So I hope this madness uh, can can come to an end. And, and one sure way to, to hasten that is to pass voting rights legislation, the, the For the People Act, which is, as you know, has passed the House of Representatives, would be signed by President Biden, but is is now pending action in the Senate and gets back to Gilbert's question. You know, that that Senate action can really only take place once a decision has been made on changing the rules of the filibuster. Well, do you think President Biden has been aggressive enough uh, for for your tastes on this front? I mean, you know, he's made a sort of voting rights legislation uh, a key component or of his platform and you know of on his priority list do you think he's been aggressive do you think he 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 understands for y'all what's at stake here i would like to see more and i i've been so pleased by everything that he said on the campaign trail so much of of what he's included in speeches uh, in, in the six months that he's been president. And that includes the State of the Union, his remembrance speech at Tulsa, Oklahoma, on the 100th anniversary of the Greenwood Massacre. He, he talked about the importance of the right to vote and how it's under attack. And when in the regular session, the state legislature was debating this issue, he didn't wait for the result. He, he weighed in and he said, this is an attack on democracy. And then, of course, that fiery speech a couple of weeks back and Philadelphia. But, but mm-hmm. what he has yet to do is call for the political courage necessary to actually remedy uh, the, the, the very danger that he has described to the country. And there's, there's two presidents that I see as potential precedents for President Biden. One is Benjamin Harrison, who was president in 1890. And you know, he was a Republican. Mm-hmm. Uh, Republicans had majorities House and the Senate and Republicans back then at the end of the 19th century, of course, were the pro-democracy and pro-voting rights for African-Americans party. And he campaigned on on a a message of of voting rights, you know, post-Reconstruction. Let's restore the right to vote and civil rights for for black Americans. And they had a voting rights bill, the Federal Elections Bill of 1890. And it passes the House of Representatives, just like the For the People Act has passed. And then it goes to the Senate. Uh, where it meets the threat of a filibuster by then the Democrats, and uh, and and Harrison essentially is on is on the sidelines. It doesn't intervene, and the thing dies. And actually, it dies at the hands of a Texan, uh, Senator Richard Koch, uh, mm-hmm. and, and a god awful segregationist who who uh, literally on the floor of the Senate talks about the superiority of white men and how they should mm-hmm. rule over black men in states like Texas. So you have that example. And then, of course, you have our fellow Texan, Lyndon Baines Johnson, 
who also faced the threat of a filibuster trying to get the Voting Rights Act of 1965 across the line. But but that guy went in with everything he had and used every political muscle in his body and in his brain and, and got it over the, the finish line. The question for President Biden is, which of those will you be? And I, I think I believe I trust he, he will he will be uh, like LBJ. Uh, putting all of himself into this fight, but the hour is late and he's got to do it pretty damn soon or we're yeah. going to lose this, right. this shot. And then, and then we lose democracy. Well, I, I also, um, before we got too far away from it, I mean, you, you brought up Senator Manchin and, you know, he was in Texas a few weeks ago, um, you know, attending, you know, a, a fundraiser with Republican donors. I mean, what did you make of that? What was sort of your reaction to that? It's, um, you know, that scene in Casablanca where you're where you're shocked that that gambling is is taking place. I mean, <laughs> not, not 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 anything, you know, revelatory right in, in that story. I mean, I can understand people's disappointment in in, in the center, especially, mm-hmm. you know, when it came to who he was taking money from, not just in this in the context of this fight for democracy, but in, in the context of you know, any meaningful change we're going to have to U.S. policy to confront climate change before it's too late. And here he's taking money from you know, big oil and gas interests in, in Texas on the eve of an infrastructure bill that might contain, you know, uh, provisions that, that are going to directly affect that that very industry. But for, from my perspective, given how how uh, important and frankly, just existential this fight for democracy is, I, I want to continue to encourage Senator Manchin, you know, he he was a no on the For the People Act, really until the the Texas House Dems walked out in the regular session and were invited up to the Capitol by the, the vice president, met with Senator Manchin. He ended mm-hmm. up coming back to the table and yeah. offering a, a compromise. So I, I see hope for progress um, in, in Senator Manchin. I just I just want to continue to encourage that. Uh, I want to mention too that your organization, Powered by People, has, uh, from what we understand, has uh, provided about six hundred thousand dollars to the Texas House Democrats to kind of help them with their their expenses in D.C. You, um, as you pointed out, the the Texas Republicans have really not been able to find or, or point to any um, examples of widespread voter fraud in in the twenty twenty election in Texas. But w- the one argument that that that, uh, that many of them seem to be making is. They're trying to achieve some uniformity because during the pandemic, we, you know, we saw some states uh, uh, utilize provisions to help with the voting process. We saw it in, in Bear County, we saw it in Harris County, but the 24-hour voting, drive-through voting, um, sending out unsolicited mail ballot applications uh, to people to help with that process. And they're they're arguing that you know we we just want to see uniformity across the state. Well, what do you make of that argument? Yeah, it, it's. Um from a, from a pure politics perspective, um, you know, I, I think that's a pretty effective way to cloak what you're really doing, which is, mm-hmm. is making it harder on, on some people to vote. And so who can be against, you know, um, standardizing election procedures in, in Texas. But I think that that is perhaps not, not unlike, you know, what we might've seen a hundred years ago, who, who's against paying your fair share to, to actually run these elections by paying your poll tax and showing mm-hmm. up with that receipt or yeah. who's against the literacy test. I mean, shouldn't you be able to read before you go into the, the voting booth? And what, what we know is that as, um, you know, uh, innocuous as those ideas seem on their face, 
in practice and an outcome, they, they disfranchised black voters, Mexican-American voters. And, and increasingly in Texas, it's the very young. So, so students, the very old, think of, you know, our, our grandparents who no longer drive and so no longer have a, a state issued driver's license. And, and it makes it very hard for them to get voter ID. And then, and then of course, and it's always been this way, the poor and, and those with uh, disabilities who, who have a, a hard time physically being present in, in order to vote. So um, I, I, I understand why they call it, uh, you know, uh, just simply yeah. a means to standardize elections. But I, I think it, it was the, the same guys used by then the, the mm. Democrats, the, the pro-segregation party in the early 20th century. So sa- same deal, right? Just, yeah. just different parties doing it. I know you, you, you've, you've been asked a lot about the 2022 uh, uh, gubernatorial race. And you've, you've, when we talked a few weeks ago, you, you said that you, you know, you really want to see this uh, voting rights, uh, you know, cause or uh, issue through to, you know, to its conclusion. Um, but I, I just wondered, um, you know, when it comes to running or not, what, what, what factors are you going to, are, are you going to keep in mind? What, what are the things that are going to make you, um, that you're going to weigh when it would come to making that decision? This is, this is everything for me. Um, and, and, and will be until we, we see it through. And so, yeah. You know, the, the way I heard one person put it, we were at a, a democracy town hall in Wichita Falls in June. And she said, look, it, it doesn't matter who's running. If you don't have free and fair elections, you know, what what does it matter? And I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. So you, even if I were to look at this as a prospective candidate or on behalf of another prospective candidate, um, you know, I, I think that that's probably part of the part of the criteria. Mm-hmm. Um, but but after this fight is is over and. Um, you know, as I think about how I can best serve this state, I think just, you know, that, that fundamental question, where, where can I do the most good? And, and is that as a candidate or is it doing the work that powered by people has been doing the last year and a half or so, which is registering folks to vote? We've, we brought in, you know, almost 200,000 voters onto the rolls over the last year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, is it, um, organizing as a volunteer, which I've, I've really enjoyed, or can, can I be most effective um, leading a ticket or, or, or being mm-hmm. on that ticket, you know, mm-hmm. in some capacity and, um, and, and the, the ability that comes through that in, in fundraising and building a, a team and harnessing the power of volunteers and, you know, having a, a, a fixed goal, you know, this, this election on this date, and that's what we're all organized Towards yeah. we, we saw in 2018 just how powerful that was because, you know, I, I just frankly happened to be the beneficiary of one of the most spectacular mass movements in Texas history. I did not start it. It did not mm-hmm. arise because of me, uh, but but I certainly got to be a part of it. And at the end of the day in, in 2018, you know, more people voted in a midterm than any midterm since 1970. Young voter turnout up 500 percent. You know, we, we won up and down the ballot, even if we didn't beat Cruz, you know, two new Democrats in the U.S. Congress, 12 new state house reps in the legislature, 17 African-American women serving in judicial positions in Harris County. So there's power in that as well, or there's, there's the ability to be effective in that. So, so those, those are some of the things I'll be thinking through, but, but first we've got to win this one. Right. One last question. I want to ask you, uh, hypothetically, if you 
decided not to run and you were giving advice to another de- Democratic candidate, um, what do you think is the strongest message uh, against another four years for, for Greg Abbott, the strongest political message that any Democratic candidate could could put out there? I tell you, you could do worse than um, uh, talking about competence. Mm-hmm. Uh, the incompetence uh, of this administration, um, you know, uh, and, and current Republican statewide leadership. You know, I know Brian's done a, a lot of reporting mm-hmm. on veterans in Texas. And in fact, when I was in Congress on the Veterans Affairs Committee, I just I really appreciated him uh, putting a spotlight on veterans who had an other than honorable discharge and just the, the fact that they were dying, uh, taking their own lives at twice the rate of of other veterans and how that's connected to public policy. Well, well right now we, we see COVID deaths in the veterans homes in, in Texas uh, off the charts relative yeah. to any other part of the population in Texas. The fact that we lost more than 50,000 of our fellow Texans. And it was cities like El Paso, the deadliest city bar none in the country over the, the last year for COVID deaths, where we had to have 10 mobile morgues to handle all the dead or McAllen, which is one of the deadliest or Laredo, mm-hmm. which is one of the deadliest. That It's no accident that happened in communities of color and border communities and places where the governor has said, this is where the enemy is. And we're going to have to take matters into our own hands. We're going to build walls and we're going to try to you know, send thousands of DPS troopers down to do what I don't know. But but that that's all uh, you know, a manifestation of incompetence. But but perhaps most alarmingly of of everything is the fact that you know, depending on the reporting and the number you look at, uh, at least 700 of our fellow Texans died in February, mm-hmm. most of whom froze to death, literally, because we literally couldn't keep the lights on and the power going and the water running and, and the heat on. And so, you know, what, whatever you feel on, you know, the, the big sensational issues of the day that demand the headlines and, and the Twitter sphere for, for most Texans, you know, just being able to depend on the grid or, or knowing that you can see a doctor or making more than $7 and 25 cents an hour, or just understanding that, that when you need government to be there, government's going to be there and it's going to do an effective job. You know, I, I think every Democrat from the County commissioner candidate to, you know, the gubernatorial candidate should, should be talking about, um, how effectively they will deliver, government services efficiently, yeah. professionally, and without the corruption that we see in the Abbott administration, where, mm-hmm. you know, this guy has been able to take millions of dollars from the energy and electricity industry and then spare them the, the worst of the consequences of the power failure that they are in some part culpable for. And in fact, allowed them to make billions of dollars in, in profit uh, from it. L- look at what Democrats do when they're the county judge in Harris County with Lena Hidalgo, uh, for example, or Clay Jenkins mm-hmm. uh, in, in Dallas, or, or look at Bear County uh, for, for that matter. You, you have Democrats in positions of public trust who get it done. And, and I love that. And it, and it takes you away from you know anything else and just roots you back into what is most important for, for people and their tax dollars and their expectation of government. Beto, thank you so much for being part of our podcast. Uh, good luck with this, the, uh, the voting rights effort. And we really appreciate you being here. Yeah. Thank you for the time. Enjoyed it. For everyone listening in, take care. We'll be back soon. Thanks. Thanks.